This episode of Real Life Sci-Fi is brought to you by Epic Reads and the new sci-fi fantasy Heart of Iron by Ashley Poston. New York Times bestselling author Victoria Schwab says Heart of Iron delivers a delightful cast and non-stop thrills. The pages flew by and I couldn't put it down. Don't miss this epic adventure perfect for fans of Six of Crows and Firefly. Pick up Heart of Iron today. Available now wherever books and audiobooks are sold. Do you do audiobooks? I tried, but the one that I tried to listen to was too quiet, and I was cooking. (laughs) Feral Audio Hey everybody, welcome to Real Life Sci-Fi with Wade and Willie, I'm Wade. I'm Willie. We're in the we're in the uh, Starburns Lounge today, and you still brought beer. You brought your own beer, even though you know. I know, but they have stuff here. I've been well. One, one time I couldn't get into the. A couple times I couldn't get into the beer cooler, or it was empty, and I got. Uh, I should bring my own. It's fine. Um. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. This is uh, the podcast where we talk about. Um. I don't know ghosts and uh, 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 aliens and um, Bigfoot. And uh, what are we talking about today? Well, today um, we've got a couple special guests. We are talking, well, uh, we've got Pierre Wouters and Church. We are, and they are associates of the United Lodge of Theosophy. You got it. Welcome. Hey. Um, What is that? (laughs) Oh boy, the most loaded question ever. Well, what no, is it's that? not loaded it in any way. Well, if you, if you, as you say, you know nothing. Yeah. Which is why you don't know how loaded your question is. Right. Um, is it a building I can walk into? Yes, actually. There are, there are many ULTs, as that's the abbreviation for oh, United Lodge of Theosophists. There are is many of them all cult? over the world. The, Wait, uh, what's the last word? The- theosophists. So you're, you're, you're philosophizing about God? Kind of. You want to do the break that it's a, it's from a Greek it's from a Greek word, theosophia. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it is? Which yeah. is... But a lot of people sort of mistake when we pronounce the word theosophy. Oh, you're studying theology. No, or, it's oh, not philosophy? Theology. It's theosophy. And the, the word is uh, comprised of two Greek words. Uh, theos, which is usually... Uh, mistranslated as God, it would be better to translate it as divine. And uh, Sophia, Theos, Sophia, Theosophy, uh, as wisdom from the Greek goddess of wisdom. So divine wisdom would be a good translation okay. for Theosophy. Are we doing the wow scale? Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, I was, church, I was just we got to say, church was here before, and she thinks she was a four. Do you want to redo it? Or I not? didn't say I was a four. You guys dubbed no, me no, a four. No, no, she, she recollects that I assigned her a four. <laughs> I remember a four. Okay. And I remember it because um, everyone expected to me to be higher than that. And I think we were surprised <laughs> that I wasn't. Um, and I was just below average and that it was closer to your end of the scale yeah, than Willie's. Right. We can redo it if you want or it doesn't I'm matter. Happy, I'm happy with my four. Okay. And if you want to check my memory later, maybe someone can call me a liar. Yeah. It's easy enough to verify call you a liar. That. <laughs> Are we but, being rated here? Or? <laughs> no, so it's called the WoW scale. We just put you on a spectrum between... Me and Willie, and uh, a zero is me, which means I don't know what it means. It means 
I don't believe there are aliens, and I don't believe in Bigfoot. Um, and then Willie is you. Uh, we go to ten, right? Yeah, yeah. Willie's a ten, so he believes pretty much everything there is to believe, right? Yeah, I mean, of course, I have edited my own version of everything. Right, I believe that aliens are here, and and there definitely was a conspiracy of to kill JFK. And yeah, do you want to try it out? You want to get you want to get ready. So it's a, basically it's a series of questions that will determine like uh-uh. where you fall on the scale. All right, so you fall closer to. Yeah, I'm a four. No. So I guess I'm pretty moderate. No, okay. <laughs> and, and what's funny is I think Bigfoot is what takes you over the five, right? <laughs> I, don't think, I, I don't think anybody's. I don't remember Bigfoot. a Bigfoot question. Do you believe in Bigfoot? Oh no, I do remember this question now that I think of my answer <laughs> because. I believe that people were seeing something. I don't necessarily believe that it's the missing link. So I'm somewhere like in the middle of that question. Yeah. Do I think it's possible for there to be some kind of missing link? That's a very weighed answer. (laughs) Yeah. That's like exactly what I would say. Mm -hmm. So, Pierre, you want to try it out? Sure. All right. Okay. First one's a three part question. Do you believe, do you believe in aliens? If so, do you believe that they've visited Earth? If so, do you believe they're currently here? Okay. The answer to the first question would be yes. All right. The answer to the second question would be no. And the answer to the third would also be no. Okay. So do you so do you believe in them? How do you ask this question? Because I'm not a space guy. In the galaxy or in the universe? Galaxy is Milky Way, right? Yeah. Do you believe that they're in the Milky Way or do you just believe in them? As, in, yeah, how in this, close like, are they? Solar system, galaxy... Or just universe? Solar system. Yeah. But it all depends on your definition of yeah. alien. We yeah. are aliens to them. We're also flying around on a rocket, but we call it a planet. We don't even know how the propulsion of it works, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah there may be... I mean, you refer to them as aliens. We can refer to them as beings. Are there other beings in the universe? Right. Yes, yeah. undoubtedly. I should the say The problem, that. however, <laughs> is... How do you define that being? Does it mean yeah. it's going to have a torso, two arms, two legs, and a head like we do? Or does will it have a self-conscious mind or not? So there's all these variables which makes it very hard to answer that question. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah <'cause> <laughs> because I also it's not a matter of is it there or not. It's what is it then? Well, let's you know? define it a little bit then. Like when when I say aliens, I of course mean like the little green, the men, green that men that are portrayed in movies. So like... Knowing that, would you say that they're still in the solar system? Well, I've never seen them, so I would think no. But <laughs> I don't know how they would look like. There, It is possible that there are beings mm. existing on different levels of perception. Yeah. Okay. And they may, they may be very well right here, but on a different level. Yeah. So that would actually make my second... Uh, common, uh, yeah, yes, that just changed your second no, answer. But- <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So this is going to be jumping. All <laughs> no, no, no. no. You've, you've, said, you've said all you <laughs> needed to say. <laughs> Believe me. I'm very um, much up on definitions of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we talk about so much of yeah, so much of what we're gonna get into yeah. in terms of what theosophy. <laughs> is. Oh, this is gonna frustrate the hell out of me. Oh, yes, I love it. Is. It. <laughs> it is. Because, You've already lost because because <laughs> if, if you like if you like clean cut yes and no answers. Theosophy won't be for you. Well, I, I just don't like I don't like the um, the frustration of defining things as you're talking about them. You know what I mean? 
Like I like predefining things and then having a conversation. Oh, but that's actually incredibly useful though. Yeah. So like as long as you do sit down at the beginning of a conversation and, and say, is like, for example, and we'll get into this later, there's a glossary of terms uh-huh. that's specific to theosophy. And when you're trying to discuss theosophy, it's very useful to you for you for you to know those words. Sure. There's a whole book that at some yeah. point they've, you know, everybody figured so it's out like we reading, need this. Like, it's like, so reading, a, agree a, to, it's like reading a British crime novel. To the definition of what a soul would be if you're having a conversation, that answer would be different whether you're talking to a Buddhist or you're talking to a Christian, you know. The risk yeah. of talking so, next to each other is, is high then. Yeah, yeah. right. You gotta define the terminology to some extent. Yeah. Okay. So maybe um, be more specific as you go through the wow questions. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know how to do it if I have to be specific because now I want to ask if you believe in ghosts, but then I would have to first define what a ghost is. Exactly. So <laughs> you can do the basic the basic plain ghost. So Somebody you know the died. ghosts in the movie Ghostbusters? How they're yep. dead people who are yep. like still kind Walk of around. The doors yeah, and yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Do you believe in that kind of ghost? Yes and no. It depends again on how you even define that. Because it is possible that what the way it was portrayed in Ghost, it is a possibility, but it's not something that happens or occurs very often. But it is a possibility. It's rather an exception. Do you yourself have any kind of experience with, like, the paranormal at all? No. Like, no ghost stories or anything no like ghost that? ghost stories. No, okay. No. I only had ones in my life very long time ago. Uh, something that you perhaps could call an out-of-body experience. Uh-huh. And I, it, it wasn't the result of anything spiritual. So it was most likely because... I was lying on a sofa at my mom's place. I was sleeping there. Maybe somehow I was, you know, preventing myself from breathing on, depending on how I was lying on the sofa. Right. And that may have given rise to something that you had the impression, like, I'm out of my body. So I felt myself rising up to the ceiling. And then with a big bang, I smacked back into my body. Beyond that, nothing. No. Okay. That's awesome. Um, but you may attribute that maybe to physical causes too. That's what we have to discuss. Or yeah. some people, of course, would also say it's totally possible that you dreamt that. Yeah. 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 And yeah. that's… It, to me, it was to you, definitely that? not a dream. Yeah. Because I woke up like immediately. I knew that it was an experience that I went through. Different from dreaming. But that's about as far as my experience goes. Did you, When that happened, did you try to tell your parents? No. No, I didn't tell him. That's uh, uh, that's just interesting because I feel like a lot of people, when you experience something different, a lot of people don't run around and just tell everyone because it's like you. Yeah. I certainly yeah. didn't. Yeah. I could that place I it something. more or less because I was already studying theosophy, and we discussed those types of uh, experiences and occurrences. Yeah. Um. Okay. What about? <laughs> what about Bigfoot? Uh, what do you think's going on with Bigfoot? I think it's um, an illusion, but it may very well be that here or there, there is something running around. I mean, we found tribes in the past, not even so long ago, who were 
somewhere in a jungle, you know, right, undiscovered yeah. Yeah, as yeah. of yet. Mm-hmm. But I think the way that it is generally uh, portrayed in the media, nope. I, you know what I think is hilarious, and I just thought of this now because I always say that I—it's not—it's not because I want to believe in Bigfoot. It's that I don't want to believe that everybody's lying about it. That's a good yeah, way of that's putting a good it. Point. But yeah, it's sure. funny though to picture a whole big Bigfoot community meeting together, and they all know they're lying. <laughs> <laughs> but you also can't underestimate the the power of like self-delusionment, right? Which is that people maybe who've heard Bigfoot stories then go to look for Bigfoot and because they want to see Bigfoot so bad, they see something move in the woods or even if there's a place where there's Bigfoot stories and they know that people are out there looking, maybe people are fucking with people from by now going out in the woods with suits and stuff like that. Somebody's put down fake footprints. And then what's it called when you take a pill and 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 it's just sugar pill? Oh, the ice makers. You might be hearing ice right now. That's the ice maker. <laughs> uh, they do what? When, when you take, they give you a pill and it's actually just sugar, but it still works. Oh, the placebo. placebo? Yeah. Placebo, what yeah. if there was a visual placebo to Bigfoot? Mm-hmm. It's like you want to see him so bad that you you do see him, but he's not there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like people who think they are abducted by aliens. You sometimes wonder what's going on in their mind. You know? Right. Yeah. It's like when you ask the question, do you believe in UFOs? I would say yes. But if you throw something up high in the sky and I don't recognize it, I will call it a UFO, yeah, yeah. an unidentified flying object. But that doesn't mean that I believe in UFOs as portrayed in yeah. you know, whatever. What and else? then again, we never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's get tangible. Yeah, what about um, it, J- JFK's murder? Do you think that there was a cover-up involving, I'll just say government people. Do you think that there was a government cover-up involving government? Government, that's a new a word. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, I would think so. Based on what I've read over the years, then it would be the same as with your Bigfoot. I mean, if all the people are talking about it, are they all wrong? Yeah. Well, there is something to it. There are too many things that are... Um, Odd. Yeah. Are you, uh, 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 now I can't remember the word. The word you always forget. God uh, damn it. This yeah, is the yeah. worst. I know. Uh, We've been cursed. We can't, we can't remember this word. A lot of athletes. Superstitious. Yeah, superstitions. Oh, Am I superstitious? Yeah. Nope. Not at you all. You don't have any superstitions? No, no superstitions. Okay. No. Do you yeah. think that if you believed in a superstition, it could come to fruit because you, do you believe in the power of your belief? Yeah. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> you mean like manifesting? Instance, I, I yeah. wouldn't walk underneath a ladder, not because I'm superstitious, but something may fall off. I just call it common sense to walk around it. But under circumstance, certain circumstances, I may just walk underneath it. But he actually just asked a question that I think is actually hitting on something very theosophical, which is, do you think that by believing in something, you bring it about? Was that a good way of saying uh, what you just said? That the power of belief translating into, Yeah. yeah. I think one of the reasons why a lot of uh, research in the parapsychology uh, realm fails because there are people during the experiments who are critical of it, you know, skeptic. That if 
being positive about something is a force, then being negative about something yeah. is equally a force. And that force may very well um, prevent certain things from happening. So it's a matter of keeping yeah. an they've open mind. They've actually found that, like yeah. from, from like an yeah. objective scientific Coin perspective, flip. like yeah. they've, they've found that the presence of people in a room on an experiment, like like can affect the outcome of the experiment. Yeah. And removing people then becomes its own experiment. Well, does this change if we put different people in the room? And, you know, they have found that. So the same like when you're looking for something that you can't find and somebody is with you and they go, you're not going to find it. Well, most of the time you don't find it. Yeah. (laughs) When they're optimistic, you know, what's that saying? Whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) <laughs> but I, I think there is some, I'm not saying that um, when I say I don't believe in superstition, I don't mean that I do not believe what they're objectively saying. I may disagree with how they interpret that. It is very well possible that there is a sub-layer to, um, to those kinds of things that may have some truth in it. But they're usually interpreted on a very, you know, superficial level like most things like if, especially if you're talking about like the latter thing right yeah. the common superstitions the black cat thing like mm-hmm. there are these yeah. kind of archetypical superstition things yeah they usually have some kind of origin <laughs> yeah that if we found out where the old wives tale came from or whatever um it would make sense right and, and you yeah. go oh okay so this thing happened and then that became did we talk about this, this on the show ever before like the reason why there's a superstition that you're not supposed to whistle backstage. Yeah, we oh, talked yeah, about Jeff, that. Yeah. Jeff talked about that actually at one point, I think. Or at least that's what the like story Like one of them is that uh, that's how they used to signal when to drop, mm-hmm. raise and lower things. Yeah. <laughs> so drop the sandbag. From yeah, the roof. so it that demystifies it, right? Yeah. yeah. But here's one you can't demystify. Seven years bad luck for breaking a mirror. Come on. Right. That's not, there's no way that was ever like a practical thing. <laughs> um, it may very well be that somebody had that kind of experience <laughs> and maybe it took off from there yeah but that person was a just huge repeated. loser already yeah and it oh. and it took seven years <laughs> the, the eighth year everything was great it's like what happened seven years ago let me check my journal <laughs> the eighth year <laughs> he turned it all around in the eighth year <laughs> it may just be an approximation as well yeah <laughs> Um, I don't know. You're either like a negative one or an 11. I can't. There's like, there's like, no, I can't. Uh, I can't put you on this scale. Which is the same thing as being in the middle. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you're super analytical, so I'd put you more toward me, but that, I'm not trying to insult Willie by saying that. But uh, yeah, I have no idea. No idea what you are. That's all we ever ask, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> All right, so how do we tackle this? Is there is there well, an actual topic? Or? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, be, be, be just my own head is the topic. You know, um, I I have often talked about starting my own religion because I I think that. Wait, hang on. Is this a religion? No. Okay. Um, but I, I in starting my own religion, I like a lot of the beliefs. It, with it, with theosophy, let me just read the three objectives real quick, and then I'll ask a question. Of what? Of of theosophy? Oh, not of our show today. Oh yeah. yeah no. <laughs> All right, I'll get a beer. I'm listening. I just love 
Can I stop you for one second? Yeah, yeah. What you just said about, oh, I often thought about starting my own thing is what I've heard so many people say at the lodge, which is like that they had their own ideas and then found theosophy and then found <laughs> that this thing seemed to be expressing some of those thoughts. Yeah, that's but what I— But I won't put words in your mouth. I'll let you continue. But I just wanted to tell you how familiar what you just said sounded. Yeah, that like like when I started looking into this, I was like, oh, wow, maybe I don't have to do anything. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> here are the three objectives of theosophy. And I've just, you know, pulled this off from my reading. Church, so. are you saying that Willie is already a theosopher? Well, theosopher is not a word, but um, <laughs> I'm saying that, could make it a word. <laughs> that maybe he, but that's for him to decide. Okay. So I wouldn't say, All right. wouldn't say that. Okay. Number one, to form a nucleus of the universal brotherhood of humanity without distinction of race, creed, sex, caste, or color. Fucking great. Great start. Uh, number two, to encourage the study of comparative religion, philosophy, and sciences. This is great. I don't know why. I don't know why these things need to be separated. And we, right. I, I know Good that point, that so. there are many different religions. I know that there are many different philosophies. I know that there are a lot of different sciences. Because somebody has to be wrong, Willie. Well, but 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 ah. th th this isn't about being wrong. This is that's just about comparing. I'm not talking about you that's guys. I'm talking about, about the but world. But you're talking about human nature, and, and mm -hmm. that's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. But if there is a truth, right? If there's a truth about everything, if there's the reality, if there's an objective truth— Right then, that would mean that all of these things have to be reconcilable somehow. Yeah. Well, I didn't like, say someone has to be right. I said someone has to be wrong. As long as someone else is wrong, then most people are happy because they're not. They're not that. <laughs> well, because that makes them right. Mm. Kind of. I mean, you know, Christians can be like, "Well, we know it's not that fucking one, so we're not that. We're not that bad, right?" Do Christians really believe? Well, whatever. What's the third? Let's, let's, so many let's different get, let's, Christians. Let's, we could go down a yeah, whole yeah. other road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking like that. Let's get. Let's let. And really then number finish three on this. to investigate the unexplained laws of nature and the powers in latent man. Um, from these three objectives, th this is what it all comes down to. This is why Jeff said I should have you guys on the show about this. Yeah, because I have always envisioned my future because I have a, a bleak oh wait I'll need that in a second I know I'm just a visual guy uh, oh they're at the, bo the bottom three things alright I've always envisioned myself having to jump onto you've seen in sci-fi movies where they like some people get picked to go onto the spaceship of the future because earth is about to go down and so I've always tried to picture what my spaceship would be and I always asked, how do I pick who gets to go on my spaceship? Because in the movies, it's like, oh, teachers get to go, some kids, doctors, you know, and, and, and police and, and, a spaceship, and government people. Like a metaphor for getting to find out the truth or know, know something that other people don't? Is that, no, is that no. That the, is? To me, it's just— What's the um, spaceship? Um, the spa my spaceship is the future that I want. Oh, okay. Because I—not I, to say that I should— cut anybody out of the future but I, I feel like there are some people that have cut themselves out of my future by you know completely paying attention to things that aren't good for humanity my, my you know I'm not saying that I'm by close to anything 
as being one of the best humans ever or anything like that. <laughs> but, I, I'm not, but I care about the future and I want to I want to surround myself with people that care about the future. And, and when I say the future, I mean our place in the future. For example, like my spaceship idea, like I'm not, who, who gets to ride with me? And then this leads me to, okay, what if aliens visited? They finally said, hey, we're here. Who do we talk to? And I'm like, who's on the list of who I think they should talk to? Definitely nobody in any sort of government. No fucking queens <laughs> or kings or presidents or senators. Don't talk to any of them. I mean, there's probably a couple I could say, but I'm just saying these people that we have speaking for us all over the world, a lot of people don't agree with them anyways. You know, whatever your specific beliefs. I'm just saying everything is so personal. And so who speaks for me uh, when it comes to talking to aliens? I don't want I don't want anybody to talk to the aliens for me because I've had my own experiences and I want to portray to them that you're worried about them having a yeah. a, a um a a bad impression of humanity. It's always the alien showing up being like is the human race worth saving? Yeah, but like, well don't bags. hang out with Jake because yeah. he's going to fuck it all for all of us. There's the, there's a big difference between you building a rocket that can take maybe a few hundred people and then having to choose and aliens coming down and picking out a certain amount of people. I mean, why would they bother in the first place? They're probably then 10,000 times smarter. Yeah. Anyway than well, that's the an assumption too. Up. That's like a part of this. Or it's like, are we assuming <laughs> that they're the spiritually they like, and, and intelligently like far beyond yeah. us? Are we assuming that they're superior to us and therefore they're coming down like gods like, to judge us? Like what if they're dickheads? Yeah, what if they're Wouldn't dumb? Wouldn't you and, want some asshole like, to talk to them? <laughs> no, no matter what they are. Like, like picture, picture this. Well, oh, the aliens like, are here. Hey, go talk to the Pope. No, no. But if they're like fratty jock dudes… Then you'd be like, oh, we should get some fratty jock dudes to talk to these guys. I'd be like, no, I can handle them. <laughs> so send you, a, so the answer is you, you would want to do it. Yeah, but ultimately, though, I'd like to find like-minded people and discuss the universe with them. Right. With the aliens. The, the, no, no, I'm just saying no, here just, now. He, I think oh. that what you're saying is like this part of this thought problem was just the idea of thinking like, are there people who can represent humanity in the way that I feel rep- like should be and people who actually care, like, as you say, about the future. But, yeah, yeah. I feel you know, like everyone's not feeling so- like people in leadership really, like, it, whether it be like political or religious leaders, could really speak for humanity in the way that you actually think would be. And I say, and I specifically say that because. Everyone's got their own belief system. But it's the Buddhists, right? That's the answer. That's it's the Buddhists. The, but they don't want... Get, say, <laughs> but. But the Buddhists can speak for the humans that are have turned internal. And no one, you know... I, By the way, there's plenty of dogmatism and problems in Buddhism, too. Like, yeah, we, we romanticize no. Eastern traditions and stuff, but there's a lot of politics there, too. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at what happened with Tibet and China and everything as well, like, there's... Right. there's you know, I mean, there are people, every time I went to, every time I've been to see the Dalai Lama twice speak, and there's always a group of people outside picketing him, saying that he's the devil and stuff, and it's this other group of Buddhists. And um, people claim that they've been paid by the Chinese to be there, but really, if, if you just talk to them, which I have, they're this other uh, sect of Buddhists that believe in, like, a god. Uh-huh. And it's kind of the result from this one period in Buddhism where it went that way, and then quickly 
they kind of like wiped that period. I, maybe you know exactly what I'm referring I've to. Heard I can't. About I can't remember when this happened, but basically there was a subsect of Buddhists who carried on that idea, a very small group of people, and it's completely rejected by mainstream Buddhism. So every time they show up, they're like, he's against religious freedom and he doesn't accept us. And like, he's, you know, like basically like they're calling him like the antichrist of, of Buddhism. And so even within something that we see as like probably the purest ideal in terms of organized religion, there's still all kinds of problems. And yeah. look at the fact that up until recently, they haven't accepted women at some of the higher, higher yeah. orders in Buddhism. So there's also yeah. sexism High in five. Buddhism. <laughs> so, but, but now this Dalai Lama wants to change that. And he, uh-huh. of, he, he Is says, he like the new pope? I, yeah, you know I would the new say, pope? I would he's say like, yeah, cool he's progressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, and there's a lot of that happening in different world religions right now in the If leadership. you had to assign someone to speak to the aliens... Who would it be? I mean, I'd send Pierre. <laughs> no. well, that's a I good mean, answer. Like, really, I mean, I can't say because I don't know um, people on a personal level who are kind of at these kind of higher seats of power or whatever. I, I don't think that any one person could speak for humanity. Sure. But, no. But, but if I had to know. pick amongst some people I know, I'd yeah. send him. But lamely enough, it'll, it'll you know— It'll end up being that one day. Or I'd spend, or you know what I would really do probably, <laughs> probably if I really had to think about it, I'd probably send a child. Oh, uh, bad move. No, I think I'd send, I think How I'd send old? a little, a, like a, like a five-year-old girl. Mm. Why don't we to, send to, them all out criminals? No, it's like if you, like if you, a, just, <laughs> just hey, if you had to sell, if you, but if you had to sell, like what's a horrible predator, right? Like a horrible predator. But if you sent like one of its cubs. You know, they go, oh, cute, <laughs> like, and not destroy us. Uh-huh. They'd see the purity that's possible. They'd see potential. They wouldn't see the grown-up, um, fucked-up versions of I'd, us. I'd send my friend's mom, Judy, uh, my mom's friend, Judy. Because <laughs> she just seemed really nice when I was a kid. <laughs> I don't know. She seemed, like, really bubbly. And she'd just be like, hi. And it'd be great. But then she probably, like, hates abortion or something. So I don't know. See, I, I think that uh, this is completely rhetorical because every, most alien encounters you hear of a, an aspect of, of communicating without speech, without speech, you know, tele, telepathy. Tele- telepathy. And I'm like, I, I feel like they're here and they know that they don't need to say hi to us. I'm not saying that they're benevolent anyway. There could be, could not be, whatever. I'm just saying, though, that whatever they are. Have you pr- considered the possibility that they're not alien? Oh yeah, I say that all the time. They, they, okay. they, they're. I think that there are. There is at least one race of what we call aliens that were on Earth before us. Okay, so that's interesting because that can that can slide right into all kinds of other theories that would never even use the word alien. Yeah, are we theosophying right now? <laughs> Is that what it's called? Sort of on the periphery. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like this. You just kind of talk the, about okay, stuff. Okay, here's, here's what's good about this so far, right? The fact that we've already started from an open place of conversation mm-hmm. that doesn't start from the dogmatic position of one particular religion sure. attacking theosophy for being satanic, uh-huh. as it has been called by many people, for over a hundred years, or for being Illuminati, uh-huh. 
or all I these called various, it a cult when you said a cult, it the first it's been time. called a cult right um uh, been accused of anti-semitism um you read the only real kind of like rules basically that exist about theosophy and the first ones it's antithetical to bring any kind of racism or 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 discrimination into it's completely mm-hmm. would never fit in to the whole idea of what theosophy is supposed to be about the perspective that it's supposed to represent because it's certainly not and please jump in if i'm saying anything wrong because it's not like i'm the representative of theosophy over her well nobody is so nobody is exactly <laughs> but it's not a, it's not so it's not a religion it's certainly not a religion um it's it not sounds even like a really think tank kind it, of that's a good way of putting it it's not even really a philosophy like there's no direct teaching like so there's a lot of like there's a perspective there's an outlook mm-hmm. there's a guideline for how to look at things. It's more of like a perspective toward information and teachings that have existed in the ancient world. But do you guys things come, that are already existent? Do you guys then, come to conclusions, or or do you just? <laughs> well, there's something interesting that when you mention that word think tank, it's only relatively recently that I, after 45 years of studying theosophy, that I all of a sudden realized. It's not a philosophy. It's maybe a methodology. Right. A methodology is another good word to use. And, yeah. of course, you don't have a methodology without philosophy. So, of course, philosophy is included. But even the question, is theosophy a religion? One of the main founders of the Theosophical Society, he put it this way. Theosophy is not a religion. It is religion. Mm-hmm. Theosophy is not a science. It is science. It is not a philosophy. It is philosophy. And another definition sometimes used is that theosophy is the synthesis of science, religion, and philosophy. But what do you mean by religion? Right. Look at the root of the word, the, the Latin root of the word. It's religare. William Kwan Judge he's talking about, by the way, who said this. Yeah. Religare means nothing more than to bind together. If if one of the first objects is to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood, well, then we want to bind together. Then, then you could call us religious if you like, but not religious in the sense of believing in a personal guy with a beard on a cloud, of course. Sure, I mean, yeah. Yeah, no personal God, um, no. no list of things that you have to have faith in. There's no faith mm-hmm. in theosophy. You might personally, as an individual coming in, have things you believe in or have faith in, but there's certainly no one and nothing in any of the books that would ever tell you that you have to believe anything. It's actually one of the first thing I tell people when they come to study, don't believe anything what theosophy is saying. Don't Certainly don't believe anything that I'm saying. Right. You got to figure it out for yourself Investigate. and find it within yourself. Of course, an element of faith exists everywhere. We all have faith in things. We believe that the earth is round, mm-hmm. right? For all of us. Depends on who you ask these yeah. days. Yeah, but, yeah I know. <laughs> but even hell? for them, I mean, even for if you say the earth is round, for us sitting here, it's a belief. 
Yeah. And you could say, yeah, but I've seen pictures of it, like, from space. Yeah, but that's a picture somebody else took. Right. You didn't see yeah, it from yeah, yeah, space. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I flew around with an airplane around the world. Well, that's kind of hard to I think that's figure why, out if that's, it's really but, around. But that's but exactly why the informed, flat earthers are getting so much traction. Faith. Oh, but right? there's informed faith because as he yeah. goes down the list, exactly. the arguments that you make back, so you start with the photo and it's like, okay, but you're still having faith that's, that the person who showed you that photo is not lying to you. Okay, mm. but I've flown around the earth. Okay, but maybe you thought you did maybe yeah. you didn't okay but the horizon and and the poles and as you get down into it in terms of like you traveling and as you as you go on, on the on the horizon things get further and further away from you and you know then what you start to get into is the process of the investigation that we're kind of talking about which is going <laughs> like yes ultimately i guess i believe that the earth is round because I don't have objective proof from my own experience of seeing it being round necessarily going out into space or anything like that. But from my investigation and the information that I've collected and that other people have collected and looking into it myself, and looking at I believe <laughs> that right. they are right yeah, that it moon. is round. Yeah, it makes moon. sense yeah. that it is round. Yeah. You look up into the sky and the sun is also round. Okay, that's another signal. You know, you that's how so informed you look belief at, uh, is the informed, word that you, the yes, term you use? Because yeah. of course— so the word believe in itself or faith is not a problem. There's blind faith. Yeah. Which means right. you just accept pretty much anything without mm. proof. But all of us, all of your listeners included, have some kind of faith in something. And that they're absolutely sure that what they've been told is true. And it may be true as well because the people who told them are very well informed. There's I think no that's kind there, of I that's think. kind of why I make fun of Willie so much is because he questions things like gravity and stuff. And it's like it's because I have this informed belief and he's questioning the definition of gravity. Okay, you know but what I mean? is he questioning that there's a force that sucks him down to the earth or is he questioning the definition of that force? Uh, definitely the definition because we use that definition for a lot of the science to prove a lot of today's sciences and I'm like he, there are there are like a lot of today's maths and sciences are, are are paper on paper, meaning if you can come up with the equation, everyone's gonna fall in line, but that still doesn't prove it. And 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 when we we got to a point where paper math took over for actual experimentation. And so when you look at like I always say these same things, but general relativity relies on these constants in nature and if you know, that space is a vacuum and that gravity is constant. Mm -hmm. And like these observations are based on a universe that doesn't have multiple dimensions, doesn't have more than the three. And we can all, I, I feel like there is proof that there are, that there are more dimensions. And, and, you know, some, even today's sciences almost disprove the old ones. Cause like, Oh, that's happening all the time. Yeah, yeah. That and happens so, all and the so time. so we don't, there was a certain point where we stopped questioning things but basically, it was around Einstein. I think no. I think it depends on what kind of scientist you talk to, because there's theoretical but, science, but, but, and then there's experimental science, and they work all together. All scientists, yes, we've we've gotten these, to a these point. Are things, it's so esoteric that people cannot yeah. have conversations about them because they're not up to date on current science. Well, but if you talk, but if you talk to a particle physicist, they sound like a philosopher. And the reason that maths 
has become the thing is because you've gotten into a realm, like you're saying, that's so esoteric and so theoretical that it's beyond our capabilities currently of experimentation. What we fall back on is math. Yeah. And essentially, yeah, like just like the, the, there is the earth round theory. Like you're, because you can't really prove beyond the math, you can't prove it objectively. You can't experience so much of what they're saying is true about the universe because what they're doing is they're doing math equations that, as you say, are based on previous equations, are based on previous facts. Like until we get to a point where we have an ability to do the experiment that takes us out to see if this black hole is what we think it is or whatever, yeah. you know, um, that that we're, we're limited. But the great thing about science, other than unlike uh, a, a dogmatic religion, for example, is that when the information changes and when we find out something new and our capability changes, so does the science. So new information changes the, the objective reality. I, but yeah, I, and I agree with that, but I just— my problem with all of this stuff is just people. Um, oh, like, well. like when you, when you, when, when we tried to switch to the metric system, you know, we just couldn't do it because people hold on to it so much. I think we, what we're getting to, what we're, what we're getting down to is that Willie hates people. I, it's, 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 it's not <laughs> that's that, a, that I, an I hate observation. people. It's that I hate that most of them have stopped. Well, I think that no, you well, hate that's, that that's they're dogmatism. not more like you. And it, and it, and it. No, I think I think it's like anybody fighting for Pluto to be a planet. What the fuck are you doing? They they've created a better. That's just a bumper sticker. No one really gives a shit. <laughs> right? Well, astronomers do. Astronomers do, but they, I, I'm saying that we're so dumb that the bumper sticker matters more than the everything else. I don't. I don't go out and get into a bunch of arguments about Pluto. I stop talking to people about things that I want to talk about because. Nine times out of ten, somebody's stubborn. Uh, I don't want to be semantic about Pluto. I just think that that's really a non-issue. That's like a t-shirt seller. But, that, that, to me, that's just an example uh, of, of people holding on to things that that and they 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 aren't learning new things. And so, how do you how do you how do you convince someone that the nature of reality is different than what they believe when they're not? When they don't want to know why it's different, and they're fine just buying things. I'm, I'm I, you know, it's lame to say that. But I'm just saying though that like we have been, our minds are taken over by small, small. Uh, oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Look at that. Oh, it's cool. Look at that. It's cool. I bought this. Look at this. This seems like fodder for the experts. Talk him off the ledge. Well, your first problem is that you want everybody to think. The way you do, which is not not to say they they should believe the I'm same things you that, do, though. but I mean you're expecting of other people to be as smart and open minded as you are. But but and but, ignorance can have its limitations. My thing is, it's not it's not that small. I think I'm, what I'm saying is our future is not looking good because not not because some one person doesn't care, but because we aren't teaching the future to care. Oh yeah, that's a that's a valid point, but. What I'm saying is, is like you're becoming frustrated by something that is not in your control, which is that ignorance is a thing. It's gonna, it's, it's always been a thing, and this you're jumping straight toward like, how do I get people to like understand that reality isn't what they think it is? It's like the first thing you have to do is get them to, you know, 
um, know that there's even something that they're missing. Like, and they, and that's only something that someone can realize within themselves. Because you could sit somebody down and try to enlighten them as no, much I as know. you and want. These are, these are just my my examples are so specific that it's not actually what I'm trying to say. On on the bigger level, you're expressing frustration, right? Like, but. Yeah, and you're and you're getting into particulars like the Pluto thing, but like the, it's really not about Pluto. Obviously, we're talking about he human thinks nature. that everyone should love. We, and then we would be fine. We we don't teach humans how to well. be human, and 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 we're we're at the point now where where if you watch just watch any video online, like there. Okay, here's a, here's a one small example. This guy tried to help this homeless person. And then the homeless person started crying because he was being helped. And the guy right away was like, oh, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. It's like, dude, fucking let him cry. He feels good about this, you know? And and uh, I'm saying, here's somebody trying to help somebody. But as soon as he felt something, he was like, no, no, don't feel something. I'm just saying, we're, we're really bad at being human. And and whether whether it's whether it's education, whether it's science, whether whether it's it's picturing our place in the future, whether it's trying to help somebody, it's like we're we're not good at being human. And 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 you, you I mean, yes, there is a frustration, but I, I'm just saying I'm not trying to uh, fix the world in this in this room right now. I'm just saying that like. I don't think enough people want to make things a little better because we're so preoccupied by mm -hmm. things that don't matter. Are we, is now, are we I mean, theosophizing? That's true. Is this like the type of stuff? I'm trying to understand what you guys talk about. Would no. it be this? No, this would be this. I mean, this happens. This happens. Like someone comes in to a class and they, maybe they're going through something and somebody like vents for a while uh -huh. and is kind of looking to the group to, to answer some kind of really a personal, what's, what really amounts to a personal perspective yeah. or experience question. Right. But I mean, you would, would you agree with that, that that happens, but it's not what we do. Yeah. Um, we, we really, we, we read. Well, do you think he would be, do you think, I thought <laughs> we Willie had something interesting to say when uh, that idea of, there, there are layers of people who believe something, right? Now, if you think of every person as being a bead or a pearl, and if you stack them all next to each other, like say you make a square, and that, that particular platform uh, represents um, a certain type of belief and, and, and maybe informed up to a point. Now think of this, the next level up is not going to be sitting right on top of the next bead, right? The next bead up, who is a little bit more informed, is going to be sitting in, in that, how you call that? that crevice. The roof, crevice yeah. of four beads, right? The next level up, People a little bit more informed than the second level, the third level, is also going to be sitting in a crevice of four other lower beads. So eventually, as you move up to the top, and that is sort of what you um, find a problem with people, is that they do not all lean into thinking properly, thinking things true, having an open mind. But as you... 
ascending the level of people that understand more and more, the beads are getting smaller and smaller on each level, right? You, you sort of form like a pyramid of beads. And then there's the person at the top who is a lot more informed than all the rest, who would actually like the bottom part also be informed like himself, but he wouldn't be standing up there. So the people that understand more can yeah. be there because others understand less. And there's no point in being frustrated about it because if you want them to be on the same level, then you just have a flat surface. <laughs> and it's an evolution process, right? Yeah. So like if, and that's based on experience and part of, you, you know, there's no substitute for experience. People got to figure things out for themselves. It's not to say that you should never try to help someone understand something. That's not to say that like you never say anything to anybody uh, in an attempt to kind of like raise their awareness, but it's just a, a knowing that everybody's kind of on their own path and is, only, is going to understand things from their perspective and their perspective is coming from their personal experience and other other factors like intellect and 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 things like that. Right. Like nine, time, nine times out of ten when somebody cuts you off, it's because they didn't see you. It's not because they're trying to be a dick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's not, it's usually not willful ignorance. It's childlike ignorance where, <laughs> you know, they don't even know that they're ignorant. Do you guys have, um, like, speakers all the time? How do you do, What what is a typical meeting? I mean... Well, we have study classes where people come, we sit around the table, and uh, we study study a particular literature. We read a few pages, and then we discuss it among each other. People can have comments or questions. That is usually the general run-of-the-mill of study classes. But then on Sunday evening, we have a t what we call a talk or a lecture, and then somebody who is usually has been a student for a long time takes a particular subject and um, talks about the subject for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And then people, that's for a general public, and then people can ask questions. That's usually how we work. So, And nobody is paid for doing that kind of job. And nobody pays Everything anything. Everything is voluntary. At all. No. Voluntary contributions in what we call time, work, and money. But yeah, we got a building. Yeah, we have we that. Electricity. In, we have we that in this, sketch comedy that. too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Somebody's got to <laughs> pay up for it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean anyone's making money. No. There was a time though when they, because if you go to Theosophy Hall which, in downtown LA, which is the United Lodge of Theosophists, it's been there since what 1926, 19, and it was the 27, first yeah. a 27, yeah. and um, it was the first ULT because of course there was a, there was a Theosophical Society. And then there was the United Lodge of Theosophists, and that was the first one. And there's a big theater in that building that at one time would be full and different speakers would come and do, do lectures. And, you know, over, whatever, 150 years almost or something of the, the Theosophical movement in its modern form existing, it's gone through these, like, ups and downs and lulls being popular and maybe unpopular. Never widely popular. Mm. Never like... Not like Mormonism or something. Not even close to the popularity that Mormonism <laughs> has ever like... Or even or even to the infamousness of, of right. it. Like it's it's not... It's never... I Maybe there was a time 
when Blavatsky herself was a household name yeah. because she was so controversial. But is that the what is that the founder? Yeah, she the would be considered of the, the philosophical fast. society. Yeah. There is no founder of theosophy. Okay, theosophy because, is just the modern name for something that's always existed. So there's been like right. things like the Alexandrian school and what, okay. are, what other times like the, the 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 Platonic school and yeah, there have um, been uh, many from time to time. There there is an outburst, you could say, of uh, more informed understanding of what the world represents, what we're here for, what we need to do. Uh And you see all these bursts, we call them Platonism, you can call them Gnosticism, Buddhism, Hinduism, whatever Lao Tzuism you can think of. Yeah, sure. But what, what we're claiming in theosophy is that the fundamental essence, the root of all religions and major philosophies is one. It is only over time, during many, many generations, that religion took on a more, what you could call, concrete form because of people acquiring political power very often. And that… It's a follow-the-money scenario, right? In a certain sense, yeah. Well, just just a dogmatization. It doesn't have to be money. It can be just craving power over other people. Okay. Um, let's uh, let's we're overdue for a break, so let's take a quick break, and uh, and then we'll be back. Yeah, I need to pee. Word. We're talking about theosophy. Did I get it? Theosophy. Yeah, theosophy. theosophy. Yeah. I got mm-hmm. it. Divine yeah. wisdom. <laughs> All right. We'll be back after this. Hey, welcome back to Real Life Sci-Fi. We're talking theosophy, right? We yeah. are <laughs> with church. We're about and to get there. Yeah, we're about to start talking about it. That's the way most of these shows go. We really only get into it like after the break. Um, So, Church, you mentioned this uh, founder of... (sighs) Theosophy Blavatsky. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, because it's it's not like... It it seems like it's... Because Pierre said that it existed for since what... Ever since the planet planet existed. But the Theosophical Society, as started by Madame Blavatsky, was 1875? 1875, the Theosophical Society was founded in New York by H.P. Blavatsky, Elena Petrovna Blavatsky, Mm -hmm. William Quan Judge, and a guy called Colonel Alcott. There were actually seven people, but those are the three most uh, outstanding ones, and, and they stayed with... The society, as long as it, uh, as long as they live, basically. And so, my question is: that seems like a sort of categorization, right? I mean, it seems like isn't that a way? I mean, like it's weird to define something. Does the society? It's a society. There is a society. It started as a society. That society is still around. But at some point, like with many other societies, there are differences of opinion and you have a split and another split and another split. Right. So there are different branches of the Theosophical Society. Whereas the United Lodge of Theosophists, ULT, to which we belong, okay. is actually not a split off. It's a person who was with the society, left the society, and only about seven, eight years later, started to form the United Lodge of Theosophists because he noticed that um, 
one split after another and one new leader after another, he said, well, why don't we just focus on the original teachings as they were given by H.P. Blavatsky and Judge and uh, do not occupy ourselves with the nitty-gritty of running uh, a society. Everybody takes up his own responsibility. Uh-huh. You don't have to believe anything. And we just study those original teachings, some of which slowly were being changed or got lost. Yeah, I mean, because we were talking about like dogma before the break right. and like how it seems like if you're going to start defining stuff, then it becomes dogmatic, right? Like, right. So this is something that every group of people who have ever tried to organize has suffered from, right? which is the tendency to need to create a hierarchy and to define a set of rules. And um, and a lot of these problems began um, when Blavatsky died. And there was a notion of needing a successor. Mm-hmm. And there was a woman, um, Annie Besant, who kind of took over uh, Blavatsky's role. And Besant was amazing. A lot of really incredible... Um, contributions. And she organized the labor movement in India. Yeah, she she um, helped out Gandhi in India. It's not to impugn her in any way, but one thing that did happen that a lot of people did take issue with was some editing in terms of some of Blavatsky's works. And some people may look at those edits and think that they're for the better. However, once you start down that road, you run into the same problems that you see with every religion or philosophy, which is that when you make changes, then that opens the door to more changes. And then you start to get into questions of like, is there one person who can define what this is? And is it up to that person to decide what theosophy is? And this is when you start Well, you know where you start, but you don't know where it's going to end. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So um, when the ULT formed, one of the big things about it was getting those original um, facsimiles of, of Blavatsky's works, unedited, warts and all, spelling errors, mm. all that stuff in there. Knowing where they are and whatever, you know, that's fine. We, we know where the errors are in terms of like punctuation or whatever, and they're there. Yeah. But deciding that it's better to keep to the original, because what is what are some of the most common gripes, let's say, of Christianity, for example, which is how much has been lost— how many translations there have been. Yeah, how literally and how much do you, you take lose it? in the translation yeah, right. and editing. Did he arrive in America? No. <laughs> right. So, like, so <laughs> not to, to to allow that to happen. And it happened really quickly, too. And, and that's something that the United Lodge of Theosophists in particular, I think, is really wary of letting happen, which is um, it descending into dogmatism. Yeah. And having people in charge— or anybody dictating yeah, and they have, what theosophy know, universities means. dedicated to the study of the Bible. Yeah. And, and it's like, and, well, that's, that's also And look how well everybody agrees and, on that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> like, you can be an expert in a particular interpretation of the Bible, right? But there's no one, no one who could pro- possibly claim to ever be able to hold those original documents. I mean, it's one yeah. of the worst cases of lost information that you But can also find. those documents, this this woman who I can't pronounce her name. Blavatsky. That's like, but that's not, that's not the Bible. Like that's no, just one No, it's not. And that's actually a really important thing to remember, which is that like 
what she did was she brought together all of the information that she found from different teachings across the world. She went, she traveled and met all these great teachers. And so it's mostly back. just her studies. You just don't want to lose like the sort of like... The integrity of what she laid down as the founder of this group and that has a perspective. Around the turn of the century, between 18 and 1900, her major opus, which is called The Secret Doctrine, by the way, uh, it's about 1,500 pages, two volumes together, was not available anymore in its original form. Right. And that's why ULT started printing those works again. And now they're available through different branches right. again because people slowly realize the importance of having those original works. And like, what are those? Well, like, what is what is actually in that document, that 1,500-page thing? Like, what is it? Well, like we said before, the claim of theosophy is that it is the synthesis of science, religion, and philosophy. And that um, there is such a thing as divine wisdom, theosophia, if you like. Mm-hmm. And what she claims is that that wisdom has existed with humanity like forever. In fact, pretty much from the beginning mm-hmm. of our planet, our, our planet. And by the way, our planet is not only just this physical plane that we're perceiving. What theosophy is teaching is that there are at least seven different layers of it called globes. uh, And that's why it's referred to as the planetary chain. And all those globes are different states of consciousness that, spatially speaking, take up the same space, which is, we call it, that we say that they are in coordination. And so what she's claiming is that the fundamental basis of all religion is one on a more esoteric level, on an exoteric level, and of course, differing from culture to culture and where people are geographically located, you get differences, of course. But if you look at the fundamental essence of every philosophy, then you will see that there are correspondences there. And that is what she was trying to point out, that there are, there are people, she says, wise men or women, doesn't really matter, who have preserved that wisdom throughout the ages. Mm-hmm. And cyclically, from time to time, they bring that wisdom forth. That's why we referred previously to Platonism and all the isms. Mm-hmm. But anything that appears over time will slowly also disappear. That's the coming and going, the cyclic turn of things, you could say. Mm -hmm. And so HPB claimed that in 1875, she was a representative of those highly developed spiritual people that wanted to bring that knowledge back into the world. That's just in a nutshell. And by that, I mean, do you guys know about, like, the monomyth and, like, the hero's journey and stuff like that? Where, like, all of these religions are sort of, like, the same story, yeah. just told from a there different perspective. That basically, Like, that's yes. what you're zeroing in on. Yeah, right? the, I mean, the idea yeah. that every time there is, like, a revelation, right? Like, you have a great teacher. We could say that that's Jesus, or you could say that that's, like, you know, a Krishna or a Muhammad or whoever, you know, mm. or Buddha. Um, that the same teaching is always given out, but it's given out in the context of the culture of the time. Right. And it's using the parables of the time. So it might be, you mentioned exoteric versus esoteric. It might be worthy 
of us to actually define what that means. The exoteric would be the stories themselves. It would be like if you if you're looking at like the creation story, the Adam and Eve story, right? Like now, if if you look at that exoterically, you might take it literally. And if you take it literally, you may still get lessons from it and you might be able to understand something from it yeah. even if it's taken literally. And that's how most people are going to understand it. Esoterically, there are layers of meaning and symbolism and there's an underlying message that's being given out through the use of these stories. It's like more morality and stuff like that. It's right. Just, yeah. Really basic stuff too. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, you talk about like today people understand it as the golden rule. Like that's right. the most yeah. commonly um, accepted thing that you find in yeah. the do unto others as you would have yeah. them do to you is pretty much the most basic universal uh, truth that's handed out in every single teaching. So, ethics, ethics is a fundamental principle in theosophy. Right? So, so there is a universal ethics. So yeah. we make a big distinction between, for instance, morals and ethics. Well, define those two because I always fuck that up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. But the way we approach it is that ethical behavior ought to be universal. Whereas moral behavior is usually limited to, like here in the United States, if you commit a crime in one state, you're going to get another um, punishment for it than in another state. Yeah. Or depending on the country in the world that you live in. Yeah. So, Morals so, are provincial yeah. and also They're cultural, time, time kind of okay. bound, bound and so forth. Whereas ethics are universal. They would have applied a million years ago and they will apply in another 10 or 20 million right. years. Okay. So, so um, well, yeah, I guess everyone takes their own beliefs into it but basically if you do something wrong even if it's not illegal it'll you should you shouldn't do it i i, I guess i'm saying there's, 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 there's a deeper the, ethical understanding right. that goes beyond the common morality yeah, yeah yeah there is a natural law you could say and that is usually that natural law which um sort of is overarching every other law you can think of is what we refer to as the law of karma. And karma means that there is a universal balance, but that balance should not be looked upon as something static. It's a dynamic balance. Everything is constantly in motion. And so nature itself in its most metaphysical and abstract sense is constantly trying to maintain a dynamic balance. It is people with their self-consciousness and their capacity of choice who can temporarily at least go against that balance. We disturb the balance and then that law is represented within our own being. It's part and parcel of the essence of our being. So it is we ourselves who actually try on a higher level of our own being, try to uh, move back into that balance. And that's what we then experience as good or bad karma, the effects that result from actions that we take. Cause and effect. Because also in the Western mind, because we're so um, socialized with the God concept and the judgment concept, Mm -hmm. people tend to think of karma as something that's judging good and bad Mm -hmm. all the time and then divvying out either reward or punishment, which is kind of a misunderstanding of karma. Karma is more like cause and effect where you do a thing and it has an effect and you will experience whatever that effect is and and so will everything around you. But um, going back to kind of like what you were saying about being 
um, either going against nature or not, you know, like the concept of harmony, being in harmony with things. And somebody said at one point in the lodge, and I'll always remember what they said. I don't remember who it was, but that harmony is essentially unity in diversity. That's why it's a dynamic, which is why it's a dynamic harmony. And it's, it's, it's many things acting as one. You know, it's funny that er that earlier when I said that, what sounded like a stupid statement or I got stuck or whatever that you shouldn't do it. I was like, I was going to use the word karma, but I didn't want to attach it to theosophy because I was like, well, well karma is also a loaded word because yeah. of the pe- the way, which is something that we deal with just in general. Like a lot of what theosophy is, is breaking down the propagandizing of symbols and those misconceptions on so many terms. I mentioned earlier that we have a glossary. It, it's, it's there for a reason. It's because Many people have heard these words, but they have a preconception of what they may mean that if you look at the culture from which they came from, you will learn a definition that you may not actually have heard before. If you yeah. go deeper into karma, it's w- well more complicated than the way people walk around going, karma's a bitch, you know, or like, <laughs> or it's not unless you are and like whatever. And that's all really cute and stuff. And it's great that it's come into our vocabulary. But philology and etymology is a really important part of what theosophy is, which is actually going into every word of what we're reading. Like there's times, like he described a class where we read a few pages and talk about it. That's a really oversimplification, I think, yeah. because there's times when we circle on a, on a, a paragraph for an hour. And, and a lot of the reason is usually because there's some heavier terms and sometimes we're going, okay, if it's the Bhagavad Gita, we're going, okay— you know, do you have the Sanskrit? And someone pulls out the Sanskrit and goes, well, in the Sanskrit, it's this. And so we go, oh, wait a minute. That kind of throws our understanding. We're reading an English translation, but in the original Sanskrit, they're talking about a wheel and the wheel is supposed to mean something in the Sanskrit because in their culture at that time, that was a metaphor for something that they all understood that doesn't really translate into the Western mindset today, you know? So trying to... Uh, get those earlier understandings of terms and get like past all the noise of of modern again mistranslations and misunderstandings and re uh, reinterpreting of symbols and 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 misuse of symbols is essential to understanding some of what you're reading. But let me ask you this: what is the what is the end goal? Because everything that you're reading and comparing against one another, it's all just written by a person, right? At some point. Yeah. Like if you go back far enough, some guy wrote it. Yeah. Or woman, but probably a guy. (laughs) Uh, Just because of the way the world was. Um, So like... Well, if you go back even further, actually, most of this stuff was word of mouth. And many of these things were actually sung. Well, and it's, yeah. Because it was easier to remember it. So like for for hundreds of years or whatever, these teachings were actually just orally transmitted before finally someone wrote them down. So there's an even deeper layer into that. But And like we said, these are all just sort of like morality tales, right? It's all like David and the whale. Is that one of them? Jonah. Jonah and the whale. David and the, <laughs> David and the lion's pit. David and Goliath. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, is this academic? Is it academic or are you trying to like... It's an academic approach, I would say. Uh-huh. To... To what? Boil, boil down... Well, like, here, here, here's the difference that I, I think that most people 
and most people, whatever. Let's say, let's say that you are a scientist and you study one specific thing. When you hear about peer journal, peer journals and things like this, there, you have your own specific thing that you're into. Mm-hmm. You don't know about the other things. You might, you might, but you're the specialist in this. I, I feel like this is people getting a chance to compare everything. Um, because they want to know. Whereas I feel like if you are, and this is a judgment, but if you're a specialist in a certain science, you don't want to talk about what other people think because you you feel like you know what you're doing. I, I just feel like like if you are a specialist and, and then you get questioned by somebody who thinks something different, you, it's just too easy to get offense taken to it and and... Why, why do I need to listen to you? And whereas this, the whole point of this is to discuss everything and, and, and the point of the discussion is to create your own, your own belief set. So it's like you want more people to have different ideas yes. so that you have more to work with. One whereas thing a specialist that we've doesn't want, they want more finite Ideas. The, the more minds in the room, the easier it is actually to understand anything, at least from my observation, the, the easier it is to understand any of the material that we're covering. Because yes, and people do specialize from periods of time. They get interested in a particular subject because there's so much there with theosophy that you're kind of kind of just gravitating from one thing to another. You pick up a book and you go, okay, I guess I'll start here. And then maybe something in that, you know, like after death states or whatever. And then somebody points you to a thing that helps you go deeper into this thing that's resonating with you. So it's impossible for you to just kind of jump in. And Although some people say they're like, well, I read all the books, so I know everything now. Like the truth is, is that like, and this is maybe my opinion, if you're really taking theosophy seriously and you're, and, and you want to go down that road, you have to get over the idea of knowing anything. And you have to get over the idea of getting to a point anytime soon where you're going to be like, that's it. I got it. I know yeah. it. I know right. what everything is. Because, but that is what you're working for. Well, you are. Toward. But you are working toward that. But you have to understand that it's a long process. And also, like— you know, when more people are around the table, what I've noticed is that because everybody in the room is at different stages and they've all maybe read or, or gotten interested in different particulars in these books have resonated with them. And that's due to their own experiences or whatever and their own levels of understanding. Everybody around the table having an equal voice in the conversation can say things that you yourself might not think of, right? So, you know, I might be looking at the text and going, oh, well, you know, that makes me think of this in my life and it makes me feel like I understand this thing in human nature better or whatever, you know, that makes sense to me. And then somebody across the table has this totally different point of reference to mm. what we're looking at and will bring up something that I had never heard before. And then what they said will help me understand more than if I'm just reading alone. Right. Because certainly there are plenty of people who study by themselves. There's plenty of people. You can order the books. You can have them at home. No one's keeping this from you. If you wanted, you could just get the secret doctrine tonight and read that by yourself at home. But I don't think you'd get the same thing out of it. And I think that that's where the group is 
I think that's what the purpose of having an association is. I mean, I feel like it's is, what Willie's been looking for. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, like, it's weird because it's like, you know, when you play, this is a bad comparison, but like if you play the game Destiny and then all of a sudden your friends download this thing and they get higher level than you, all of a sudden you can't even play together because they're you're, they're playing against enemies that you can't even fight because you're completely different levels. Uh-huh. But uh, I, I like the idea of it doesn't matter. Well, isn't that what you want, though? You want people oh, yeah. to talk and be like... Uh, like, oh, by the way, they're not all really smart. There's also people who completely derail the conversation. Who is the, like, it's not, who is the worst one in oh, your well, group? <laughs> well, we're not, we're not going to go there. But I have to say that there's also something kind of like beautiful about it, which is that the door is not closed to anyone. Literally, we can have people walk in off the street. Uh, uh, there have been homeless people who come in and sit in, and they have an equal voice, too. Uh-huh. And people who say that goes really, great. really crazy things. But no, sometimes they come out with really amazing observations, too. Uh-huh. And like the because of that approach and because of the fact that some people come out with just like crazy off-the-wall things, whatever— it also becomes that exercise but are they in doing being that a brotherhood of humanity. Yeah, it yeah. becomes that no. then becomes no. the lesson for the day. No. It's you kind don't of have anyone there that's just Most like- people come because they're really interested in 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 trying to find out what, what are you guys doing here? Right. But what are you guys trying well, to do here? Uh, here. <laughs> Let, let's take a, a different uh, angle on the conversation here. Okay. We all know that science is trying to figure out how things are in the world. Okay. Objectively. Objectively. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what the heck is going on? What is this underlying thing that we're looking for? Because mm-hmm. they always penetrate deeper and deeper and deeper into things. You can't repeat my now, test. We, <laughs> we can't ignore the fact that there is an isness to how the world is, right? No matter what your belief is, there is a reality to the isness of things, mm-hmm. the, the way it functions. And what we claim is that there exist people in the world who have figured that out. You could say partly in a scientific way, partly in a religious way, and partly in a philosophical way, because in essence, it's one. And that's what they try to preserve for future humanities. The problem is, however, that reality is so much different from what we think it is. Mm-hmm. That We had this cartoon up in the lodge one time. Remember that? There's this um, There's this guy. Oh, you see a, a, a little sign on the wall and it says truth with an arrow. And there is a guy walking towards that arrow like with a, a long stick and long hair and his hair is hanging down. And he's sort of smiling, walking into truth. On the other side, there's a guy returning from truth also with that stick and his hair standing up, mm-hmm. right. which is so like, whoa, that. this is so different than yeah. when I thought it really yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. We, we have only a very small perception of what is really out there, and that is even substantiated by science. I mean, don't forget that everything that we perceive is based on our sensory perception, Right. Yeah, But at the same time, we know that the range of our vision is a very small sliver of the electromagnetic spectrum. Mm -hmm. The same goes for your hearing. The same goes for your touch. The same goes for your smell. And the same goes for your taste. And then there is this kind of processor at the top, sitting at the top of all that, 
who, apart from being only subject to the input of those senses, which are limited, is going to add another layer there, is how it thinks that it should interpret that. That's why all the people in the world have a different perspective on things. That's why mm-hmm. witness testimony is the most unreliable. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's why Yelp but, is bullshit. Yeah, it doesn't oh, take away. Best French right. toast That's in the world. That's why Yelp is bullshit. <laughs> best French toast in the world, yeah. but I also love salmon. We think when, we know when, what the world looks Buddhists, like. When Buddhists, for instance, and, and even Hinduists, and, and together with theosophy, teach that everything in the world, what we perceive is actually a Maya, then that is truly backed up by science. Maya means illusion. An illusion. Everything is an illusion. Because when you walk out of this room, here's a typical example. You guys all talk shit about me because I'm an idiot. (laughs) I know. (laughs) This can of Sprite, let's plug a... Yeah, Yeah. no, we're sponsored by Sprite. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) This can that is standing here and that you see has a a green color, some kind of yellowish golden text on it. When you walk out of that room, is that still there the way you perceive it? Yes or no? So is this just like if a tree falls in the woods, does it make Make a sound? sound. But also, like on, on every level of the main senses, I don't know why they've, determine that we have like you know five senses we have way more than that but when you touch something are you actually touching it because you you have a perception that you're touching it but there's actually space in between yeah, exactly. your mm-hmm. finger mm-hmm. and what you're touching yeah. and, and your finger your yeah. finger doesn't that feel anything solid, it's made yeah. up of things yeah. atoms that are moving around yeah. No. And so we, yeah. like when when people right. talk about uh uh everything being the universe being a simulation. It's it, it's just weird because I feel like the idea of that is that our perception is closer to a simulation, but the, the not. But I don't think anybody's saying that like, oh, these aliens put the simulation together and you're a program in it. It's right, like no, right. no. Well, there's whatever really, the universe is, we are closer to a simulation because our perceptions of everything actually are like. When I look at this now, the light for the light to get to me means that I'm looking at a past image of something that is right in front of me. So am I looking at it currently or? But there's a super tangible like. Did you guys right, talk a- about the the uh, the? I mean, this is it's a meme, but like the 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 dress. The dress thing. Oh that yeah, the blue, like the blue and gold, or, or, or the white and gold versus yeah. blue and black no. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen it. No. It yeah. was just like all of society going like, "How do you not see the exact same thing that I see?" Yeah. Well, so, I know. mean, consider the fact that like our brains are what turns everything right side up too. Everything actually, <laughs> right. like our eyes actually see things upside down. Our brain flips it over. Yeah. And a guy did an experiment where he put on glasses that turned everything upside down again to see what would happen. And eventually, mm-hmm. his brain flipped it over yeah. again. Yeah. So what we think we see. You know, and and if we could see the world through the eyes of a frog, it would look completely different because of how their eyes see, right? So like, there isn't like, (laughs) and um, and for the listeners out there, we don't hear things the way we think we do. We're interpreting vibrations hitting our eardrum, right? It's vibrations. That's why everybody hates their own voice, right? You guys hear? Yes. Do you guys hear this new thing that they have where in silent films, uh, they can. If there's something in the background of some uh, a scene that was shot with no sound that they could take, like let's say that that glass door behind us, 
if if it was in the shot, they could like take the vibration, the vibrational energy from the door in the movie and pull the sound out of it. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah. So they can, yeah. That's, that's funny that's, that you brought that's that up because there's a there was yeah. a. I just looked at this today. There's a GIF. I call them GIFs. GIFs, whatever. I don't know. I've you know the I've never image. Known. Also, yeah. <laughs> I've never known the answer to that. <laughs> but uh, it's like, it, it just made the rounds on the internet today. It's just um, two power lines playing jump rope with another power line uh, tower thing jumping. And every time he lands, this other tower, like it shakes, the, it like vibrates it. And some people swear they can hear the sound that it makes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh yeah, interesting. So it's like this weird kind wow. of. So like, we're filling in the gaps. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the eye thing. Like mm-hmm. your brain is going like, oh, that makes this sound. Like you don't hear it, but you think you do. But this, like, so like the simulation thing, right? Is just another wor- word for saying what the Buddhists have been saying forever, which is this is you know an illusion. But with the illusion, it's not to say it's like, oh, this isn't real. It's like, no, what we have is we have a shared. Um, hallucination kind of happening. We have an instrument adapted to that illusion. We do. And we do have a shared reality based on the fact that we all see things the same way wrong. Yeah. And that creates a certain kind of reality on our plane of vision. We are on the same TV antenna. We're on the same frequency. If you say the door is an illusion, that's metaphysically speaking true until you run with your face into it. And then it's... It's a reality, but it's a reality on this plane. It's not a reality on other planes of perception. So fundamentally, we could say everything, and that's even backed up by science too, everything is actually a type of vibration, you right. could say. Yeah. And there are vibrations that are so dense that to our perception, they become something objective, what we call matter, right? But nevertheless, what we're seeing of it, what through our senses, hearing, feeling, and so forth, is only a very small sliver of what is actually out there. So from that perspective, it is indeed an illusion. Just think of this. We're sitting here, and there's a light here. And and we, we see things around us. But when you think about it, that light only becomes light in your mind. In fact, it's totally dark in this room. Because while that photon, although at an extreme high speed, is traveling from that light, from that bulb to your eye, it's not light yet as we perceive it in our mind. It will become light. The same is is true for sound. When I speak to you, it takes time for that vibration to reach you. Mm. When that vibration is here, it's not sound yet. It's a wave. It becomes audible sound in your ear. So, in fact, it's completely dark and silent here, right? Yeah. That's like the old opera singer. That's scientific. Yeah. And that's also what theosophy is saying. So, the question is, can we go beyond that? Do you talk yourself out of a lot of uh, tickets when you get pulled over? (laughs) You just say, like, you only perceived that I was speeding. But that's not true. I must say, (laughs) most of the time when I get stopped for a ticket... It's both me and the cop were both right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I usually get stuck with the teacher. Right. <laughs> but it's always a you know a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I want to say <laughs> cry to get out of a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say this. You mentioned globes earlier, and I think 
I think you were talking about dimensions. Yeah. Yeah. Call them dimensions or states of consciousness. And that's different. Your than, dream is, that, is another state of consciousness. Okay, right? but is that different than planes? No, I would. You could you could say a plane is represents a certain type of substance that goes with a certain type of consciousness. Okay. You can't perceive a plane of substance without the requisite consciousness right. of it. Yeah, we have charts that attempt to create oh a God. visual guide diagrams. to how they work. These diagrams, <laughs> and I don't know how much they really help. Yeah, but they attempt to try to explain these levels of consciousness or planes or dimensions or whatever you want to, whatever word you want to use. Let me ask you guys this. I'm sorry if I'm, did I? No, go ahead. No, no, go on. I'm going to get another drink. Is everyone good? What are your, what are your, this is a personal question, not a theosophy, you know, and I'm not asking, uh, it's just a personal question. Like, do you, what do you think about dreams? Do they have, do they have weight to you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Actually, even if like taking like the theosophical interpretation of dreams out completely, someone said like, you know, if you're like 80 years old, you've spent like 20 years of your life asleep, right? And that's an adult human being. That's how much time by the end of your life, let's say, that you will have spent in potentially a dream state. So if you think of it that way, why don't we consider that state of consciousness more of a real experience in our lives. Yeah. And if you start just from there, I think that that's interesting in and of itself, which is that this is a part of your life. It's it's an, a huge part of your life where you are having an experience and we sort of just wake up and dismiss it. So here's my <laughs> here's my next question. I Because I totally agree with you. Have you taken steps to make your dreams more meaningful? Are you, are you, are you good at are you lucid talking, dreaming? Are you talking about lucid dreaming? Yeah. Um, because I, I I can make myself lucid dream, but I I pop out of it so quickly because as soon as I'm aware, my whole life I've spent so busy and I've wanted to get so much done, and I always have something I can do. So as soon as I'm aware that I'm dreaming, like oh I'm sleeping, wake up because uh, you could be doing something, which is something that I just can't get out of. But I can I can get there. But I told you how to charge. do that. I already told you how to do that. But I, I still can't. I still can't get out of it. The thing about lucid dreaming is, I don't know if it's, that's not a personal thing for you that when you realize you're dreaming, you wake up. Like, that's a universal thing. And that's why they have tricks to, like, stay in the dream. Right, because you're having a conscious experience in something that you would usually unconsciously be kind of stumbling through. Mm. Your mind, your unconscious would be in control versus your consciousness being in control. Well, I mean, it doesn't it kind of go back to perspective where it's like, oh, this is wrong, so I have to wake up. Yeah, you're, I think it's just a kind of a, a natural instinct to wake up. But uh, but do you guys? Uh, I don't I don't make efforts to lucid dream. I've had lucid dreams, but I don't make efforts to. Pierre, neither do I. I, in fact, when I wake up in the morning and I recall my dream in the what we usually perceive as the dream world, I have the impression that I've been working all night and still didn't get any rest. So yeah. <laughs> I prefer not recalling my dreams. But then again, I, I do <clears throat> have to admit that, and I have a little bit of experience with it, that there is a state of consciousness that is beyond dream 
what we usually refer to as deep sleep, right? The the dark thing that when you wake up, Dreamless you can't sleep, recall right? anything. Right. But sometimes something of that state of consciousness trickles through the dream state into your waking condition. And then it's not something that you can truly put into a, an objective form, but I know that I've been very intensely busy without being tired. Whereas if I remember the, what we call the normal dream, I usually feel tired and I don't have the impression that I got my rest. So, yeah. But whereas if I have the impression that it comes from that state of deep sleep, then it, it becomes meaningful to me. And sometimes it brings things to me that make me understand things that I've been thinking about for a long time. And all of a sudden, it flashes like an intuition. Mm. Where does intuition come from? Which is, by the way, a direct perception of things. Logic, the, the things that we usually use in our daily conversations, is reasoning from cause to effect. And if it's properly done, then we call it logical, right? Yeah. But your your original perception may be, or, or whatever thought you have may be wrong, and then <clears throat> the effect that results from it, either the, 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 the starting point is wrong and you end up with something that is correct or the starting point is correct and you end up with a, a misconception of something. Right. <clears throat> because all kinds of stuff goes on in between. Whereas intuition is a direct perception outside of cause-effect relationship, the way things truly are. Yeah, but even that still needs to be checked in in our oh, waking yeah. consciousness. Of yeah, because people often, um, as you get older and you have had more and more maybe negative experiences, you may have reactions to things that you think are intuition, for example. But you may, you, at least for me, as I've gotten older, I have to look at things whenever I'm feeling like I'm having an intuition and ask myself is this just a previous experience that has conditioned me to be afraid of this thing or right. or to favor this thing? Am I just being biased and am I having a reaction or am I really having an intuitive moment? I know. It's so there frustrating. are several so, degrees of intuition, you could say. You, ha you can have a gut feeling about something. Right. But that gut feeling is not a spiritual intuition. Yeah. But nevertheless, it can be correct on the plane of where mm -hmm. it operates. So there are several levels of intuition. There's most likely several levels of dreaming and deep sleep even. There is not a single plane that does not have subdivisions. In fact, you could say there are no planes, there are only subdivisions. Right. Yeah, because the more you try to, to define what the planes are, the more you find that, well, but every plane also has their subdivisions and this, you know. I, so I, are you guys just exhausted all the time? You're just, <laughs> just thinking about this stuff look, constantly. Look, it, I'm constantly thinking about this stuff. I would stuff. be constantly uh. thinking of it anyway. At least now I have some some you have like something a, to focus yeah, that kind of thinking I'm on in. and some way to kind of work through those thoughts and lend knowledge to things that were all like kind of me kind of working things out and having theories of my own that I didn't know whether or not anybody else had ever thought of that or whatever, you know, like, am I the only one who thinks like this? So that for me creates a structure and a groundedness to what was driving me crazy for years before I found other people who were 
as crazy as me. Right. <laughs> no. Well, what Basically. is it? What is it? Can you think of like one example that it helped you kind of work through? Like, let me just say this. When I was coming in here, I asked a guy to let me in because I because I know the receptionist is gone. I didn't want to like text anybody, and they were outside mm-hmm. and they had keys. And I was like, "Oh no, don't get up!" Because I thought he would just hand me the keys, and then I would put it onto the pad, and then hand his keys back. But he's like, "No, you can't take my keys," because he thought I was just gonna take his keys inside and like. But now I feel like an idiot because it's this weird, like, um, you know, it's that dumb thing that you think about late at night, like, "Oh, I was an idiot in front of a stranger." Right. Do you guys work through that type of stuff or is it? I find that I do. Because as I redefine my understanding of like the nature of my own experiences and what they're for, I don't, I don't find myself judging them as harshly. Like I don't, I, I, I don't judge my past in terms of good and bad so much as I do or beat myself up so much as I look for growth constantly well wait okay let me ask you this i feel like i've let go of a lot of that kind of thinking do you are either of you in therapy no no thanks see it seems like it's just kind of like some people treat it like group therapy for sure well let me ask you this do you feel like this is these are personal questions i don't know if this is attached to theosophy or not Uh, you know i did i don't do you feel like you are a part of a collected consciousness and that, I guess it's a multiple part question, but that um, the experiences you have are for everyone? They could be accessible to other people. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. There, there is a... Um, what you could call a kind of substance, if you like, a, a, a strata of uh, mental substance that surrounds the earth. It's usually referred to with a technical name as astral light. And Which we, has we, become such a loaded word. Yeah, Every time you say astral, people lo- think yeah, of like yeah. new agey, like... Yeah, because um, yeah, of yeah. astral projection yeah. and stuff. Yeah, right? But that yeah. word goes back centuries and centuries. And, and it has become a little bit sometimes pejorative as well nowadays. But there, there is um, a, a, what we often think is that we produce thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. You generate a thought. And that's a misconception. We do not generate thoughts. We pick up thoughts. And then we color it ourselves with our own already preconceived thoughts from before. So we, we don't think up thoughts. We use them. And we pick him out of that astral sphere, you could say. It should be and maybe we, like the unified field you know, of consciousness. Yeah. We send them back into that realm. And then whoever has an aptitude for that kind of thought will attract that to himself, irrespective of where he is on this earth. You know? So like a lot of times when people talk about the unified field of thought, they're talking about where ideas come from. Or like great inspiration. That's why we had like um, notions like there being muses who give divine inspiration mm. to certain people. Or like you hear these stories about, I mean, how many times have you had an idea for like a movie, let's say. And yeah. then if, then a year later, three 
different versions yeah. of that movie come out all at the same time. And there seems to be, and inventions are the same way and stuff like that. It's almost Telephone, as book printing. All, well, that's it's like always happened the, that way. good example, too, is Carl Jung and uh, uh, Joseph Campbell coming up with the exact same idea from completely different fields of research. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, That's always just blown me away that like… And what's the, what's the monkey theory? It's like you teach a group of 100 mon- monkey theory where you, if you teach a group of 100 monkeys how to do a, a new thing, suddenly monkeys all over the world start doing that thing. Without having been it's taught. It's referred to as morphogenetic fields. Right. Huh? That's why I sit in my room every night just coming up with things just to see if somebody else comes up with it. Do you do that? Yeah. But isn't that more like… <laughs> it's also why Michael Jackson demoed every idea he had because he thought that if he didn't, Prince would get the idea. <laughs> he really did think that. <laughs> I don't know if… Isn't it more like just your awareness of it though? Like if I buy a new car that I've never seen before… Then I suddenly start seeing those cars everywhere just because well, it's like… Yeah, I mean, I guess you're following the same kind of idea of like there being impressions everywhere that everyone is picking up at the same time. And that certain people latch onto certain impressions, whether that be an objective impression and something concretized like advertising right. because there's a product. No, I'm talking or, like or more a ethereal car. impressions. Well, like here's the thing. When I got my first car when I was a kid, I don't, I don't know. It was like… Some car I never had seen ever. And then I was driving around and then suddenly like, oh, it's everywhere. Like I see it all the time. Just because… Like you didn't have a definition visually before, of that car. Yeah, because before when I saw it, it was just another car. But now it's like, oh, that's the same car as mine. I don't know if that's the same thing as like It's volcano. not the same thing, but it's certainly something that relates to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing doesn't exclude the other, of course. Right. So your heightened awareness picks up that, you know, same type of model that other people are using as well, whereas before you didn't pay attention. So it's not the same exactly as things popping up in some kind of mental realm from which several people feed themselves and come up with inventions. But there are certain correspondences there, but it's not exactly the same. How often do… uh, meetings get either religious or political. Do they In ever? our study groups? Yeah. Very rarely. Very rarely. No. I mean, Certainly sometimes, not political. Sometimes, yeah, very, very rarely, although sometimes an example will be used from today and mm-hmm. our time to correspond to something that we're finding in a book and go, oh, that's like that or or whatever to kind of draw a comparison. But But we certainly don't kick around politics Word. or, or I just didn't know if, if people yeah. tried to some people come in with very religious ideas there are, there are a few people and, and again they don't, it's not common for this to happen but some people come and it seems like their starting place is I want to prove my understanding of God mm-hmm. looking for verification mm. of previously like held dogmatic ideas so like going like oh well that thing she's talking about that's like god and this thing is like the holy ghost and this thing would be like mary and this thing would be so they're kind of looking 
for confirmation of belief mm-hmm. yeah. um, rather than looking to learn. And, and so much about um, walking into that kind of process of thought is to let go as much as you can of your previously conceived notions. Like most of us are struggling all the time to kind of shrug off of our our Western kind of understanding of a God that has to be outside of yourself or or whatever it is, whatever you were brought up to kind of how you were kind of brought up to understand spiritual things or to understand certain words that are being used. And like that's that's a constant, I think, process is people getting out of their own way really deep. Yeah. Deprogramming <laughs> is a good, is a good way of putting it because it's really hard to start from an objective and pure place. Very few people get to walk in without having been in, had impressions put on them of what, you know, the, how the universe and, and, and spirit works. Or so God like every works. time there's a new guy, you guys all like do a deep, heavy sigh and roll your eyes because no. you have to, <laughs> you have to like, catch them up and like, no. We all, not. we all, I, maybe people kind of wait with bated breath to see what the first thing is that comes out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. But um, people show up and sometimes they're just brilliant and they've been studying on their own or maybe they came from some other lodge or maybe they came from the Theosophical Society or whatever, some other group. Some people show up and they just instantly have a lot to add. A lot of people sit for years and don't say anything. Yeah. A lot of people don't talk. Sometimes when they do open their mouth, all of a sudden you realize that they understood things very well. They're very just well. not very talkative. Yeah, mm-hmm. or they're the biggest idiots because they've That's been also there for years. They don't mean all kinds of layers and colors. You know? What about frogs? <laughs> you brought up that idea in, in uh, earlier on, like, is theosophy then a dogma? Yeah. Again, here we can fall back on the meaning. What does the word dogma actually mean? Right. And what does it mean nowadays? The original meaning of dogma was actually nothing more than a teaching. That's all it meant. Mm. Later on, it became more pejorative because there are people who guard their dogma and crystallize certain teachings. And if you don't agree with it, then we're going to come after you, like the church, for instance, for 2,000 years. So, of course, theosophy has a dogma because we have a teaching. But you can say the same of science, right? They have dogmas too. Yeah. They have teachings. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and so, again, it's it's a matter of how do you interpret then that word? Uh, think of the word God, for instance. Where does the word God actually come from? Few people think about that. It's just a translation of the Greek word theos. Uh-huh. But theos is already a derivation of a verb, a Greek verb. It started with the word Theian, and that is the true meaning of God, which means nothing more than to move. That's all it means, to move. And why did that result into the word theos? Because in those days, the people in antiquity, the Greek philosophers, were looking at the sky, and they saw saw the motion of the planets. And they saw that as gods then. They called them theoi. So that's where the word God actually comes from. Right. Nobody gives a, a proper definition of God. If you ask even five Catholics standing in a row what their perception is of God, you may get five different answers. You know? So what is God then? Well, it's motion. It's, it's what the 
what the Chinese would call the Tao. You know? Yeah. The, and if you then yeah. get into the scientific definition of what everything is being vibration and that on, a, on the most minuscule level, everything is identical and the things that... And, and that life and, and creation is based on this vibration, then that definition of God that we just heard explained and broken down into how that word came about makes perfect sense. And so this is how you close the circle right. when you're talking about these things from time to time. But then like, that's oh, also— Oh, yeah, same thing, different language. <sighs> Man, I don't know, because there's so many ways to tackle this. Like, one, there's, like, the lexicon and the change, the change of, like— language right like um god i can't think of it this is the nerdiest example ever but like how the word bad became good in the yeah. 80s yeah no that's a it's perfect a good example. example perfect exa- i use that sometimes okay mm-hmm. <laughs> um and so like so you're saying that it's it's like sort of devolving from that right because of people miss misinterpreting it or just like it changing over time but then also what you're saying is that these first people were like I guess maybe you're not saying that I'm thinking like maybe you were saying that they're smarter than us but you're really not they're just describing movements of planets they're not saying anything about it right well they attributed certain what you could say powers or forces because they they thought that the planets had an influence on our daily existence. Yeah. And most likely that... Wait, what can they, I stop you right there? Yeah. What do you think about astrology? Well, that's where I was just going to okay. go to. Okay, sorry. I guess I should have just waited. <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem is that what they were referring to was not the physical planets. What they were referring to was the forces for which those planets are foci, you could say. So they had a completely different understanding of... To, to a scientist, a force is just like a physical thing or an energetic thing. Yeah. And it doesn't contain not even an ethical injunction, you right, could say. Yeah. That was not true in antiquity because they had the capacity to see deeper than just the material thing. Right. Or another way of putting it is they didn't see science and spirit as separate. As separate things. Huh? Right. Yeah. Science as a separate thing only originated Three four hundred years ago, the earliest. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was but one thing to its benefit, though, right? I yes, would, it needed yeah, to course. happen yeah. because the, 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 we descended the into such a dark powers, yeah. period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Because the religion needed, wasn't religion anymore. Yeah, right. right. And it we, was a dogma mm-hmm. in, the, in the pejorative sense mm-hmm. of the word. They had to become mutually exclusive you, for a time. You for everybody painted to yourself into that corner. Reality again. Um, we all right. We're about. At time, like, what do you guys want to, uh, what's the thesis of this episode? Like, uh, Willie, do you have any sort of, like, big questions for these guys? Um, I guess, I guess, I, I feel like once you go down the path of wanting to figure things out, it's, like, unending, because you will always mm-hmm. learn. But yeah. uh, uh, have you... I just want to know what you've been impressed by, if that's a valid question. Like what, 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 what of recent hasn't has impressed you? Well, do, how do you mean? I don't know. What about this? Are you referring to the conversation or oh, no, about no, no. what we're saying? <laughs> what about us? Do you like yeah, totally, yeah. Un- <laughs> totally, totally unimpressed? <laughs> no! 
so are we. <laughs> no, I, I, um, um, have you had any? Have you? Okay, you what been, like aha you've been, moments like, lately? Like uh, this, I'll, I'll, I'll try to do each individual ones. But Pierre, you've been studying theosophy for forty six years. Have you? Has anything impressed you within the last five years? To, uh, 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 you know, that's such a lame question. I'm sorry, but uh, I. But you're, you mean but you're with still, regard still, to my worldview? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, even every now and then I I study when I study something theosophical, and a year has passed, and I go like, "Oh my God, I'm finally starting to understand it." You know, then one year later, I go like. I didn't know shit a year ago. Now I'm finally starting to understand it. Well, that's been happening like 45 times already, and I hope it will never stop. Because it's like the larger, you could say, or, or the higher you go up a mountain, the more that you see. The horizon gets wider and wider. And that is what intrigues me most in life, is that infinite depth to which you can go and where, for, unfortunately, few people are willing to go. They get stuck in a, in a certain routine of, this is probably how it is, and they're happy with it. I'm never happy with how I look at things. I always want to push the boundaries, and it's been very gratifying. It has given to me meaning in life, you know? And we haven't even discussed the subject of yeah. reincarnation, for instance. Because if there would be really no meaning in life, why are we having this conversation in the first place? Why would we be either a good or a bad person? If you would die and there would really be absolutely nothing in terms of reward or... Um, penalty? Continuum, or a penalty really. or something like that. You can do what you like. Why don't we do it then? There are so many people that really believe in nothing. Why don't we do it? Even they conform to what other people cook up for them, and we call it then human law. There are people who do not do that too. Think of the mafia, for instance. They couldn't care about human law, although at the end of their life they usually had... Uh, their Christian thing of, you know, if I repent, everything will be okay and yeah. I go to heaven. Yeah. But there are criminals, people that are truly and deeply bad. But even they have their own code of ethics. They have their own code yeah. of ethics too. Based on their but they understanding don't believe of the world. in shit. And mm -hmm. some of them, unfortunately, they get away with it. Right. So what about then after death? Is there going to be a reward or some kind of punishment? Because you have to ask that question if you want to have any kind of justice to existence, right? If there is absolutely no justice, we're just wasting our time, basically. Why don't you just indulge in your desires? Well, and, and then the question is, is like, what does that justice look like? Yeah. And is it what we've been told it is? And that that's is not, it personal? That opens a can of worms. And, it, and that's a yeah. whole that's a conversation by itself. At the zero hour. Yeah, that's a thing to drop right at the end there that now we can't like get deep into, unfortunately, because that's a whole podcast. But easily. you brought up karma earlier. Right. So wouldn't that be like if... Yeah, essentially that's it. But right. if there's I guess nothing, what we're talking about. If there's nothing after this, then your rewards and penalties are coming while you live, right? 
Well, well, partially. Again, think, like we're we're no. we're now we're on the we're now on the edge of a subject that, that is its shouldn't. own conversation okay. and is no. really in depth and not but a simple answer. A lot of what we have been talking about has a lot to do with the interpretation of terminology. Yes. Right. For instance, we say, "Oh, life and death." No, you should say birth and death because life is continuous. Right. When you're dead, you're still alive, but it's a different life than being in a physical body. So the question then is, is there such a thing after death? And, you know, you could do another 50 podcasts on that subject. Do if you, you like. have, if, give me the most succinct version of your after death. No. Well, like I said, do you have time for another podcast? There's, there's no, there is no succinct version <laughs> there's of that. No succinct in my experience, no. in my experience of having gone Heck, over this subject many times in, in the the five years, I guess that I've been attending the lodge now, is that we can speak for hours on after death states, yeah, and still only be scratching the surface sure. of it. There's entire well, because there's no, because because that there's nothing to draw from. It's all speculation, right? So yeah, from, yeah basically from the perspective, from the perspective of, of our bus. waking yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. so that's it's probably yeah. one of the tougher subjects to talk about. All right. Well, and then you talk, and then and then what can you pull from uh, ancient civilizations and how they deal with it, and current civilizations too? But like yeah. what. All cultures of antiquity, all mm. religions and philosophy have an after-death type something. of teaching. Yeah. Something. Yeah. A something. And it if doesn't you really necessarily... dig into it, you figure out that they're pretty much saying the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Just in different words. Yeah. yeah. It just seems and that, also the after-death state it. is not just one thing. See, There are many variables there that each need to be discussed right you know, and and compared to the this others is great and, I'm gonna and come, why does that happen and so forth i'm gonna come and i'm just gonna steal ideas from you guys it's gonna be so great i'm just you gonna know, put them in the you can't, you can't yeah. steal theosophical ideas because they already belong to everyone belong to whether everyone. they know it or not that's perfect you can't copyright them you, no there's no copyright <laughs> until i put them on tv <laughs> <laughs> um, if you make money with him, give us a donation, okay? I'll donate for <laughs> right. sure. Uh, church, any sort of like? I don't really think I have any any questions since we can't talk about the. the You're totally flabbergasted, right? Is there a final question? <laughs> I d no. To me, it for seems me? like a, a really well. That's why I was going to say. Do you have any sort of like big sort of sum upy kind of things that you want to? I'll say this is like a lot of people. Um, that I talk to and have spoken to about theosophy have always found it very interesting. I've had one friend actually show up to the lodge who took an interest and that one person came once. Uh -huh. It's very rare that someone takes an interest and actually sticks with it. And we right. notice that all the time. And the reason is this, and this is what I've found. And, and like, it's kind of echoing what Pierre said, and it's kind of why I brought Pierre because originally it was just going to be me, and I instantly was like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable sitting here and representing mm. on my own, and and the reason is is that as I've taken this up, I don't feel like I know more and more. 
I feel like I know less and less. And that's how I know that I'm learning yeah. and I'm mm-hmm. getting it. Yeah. And that's a really weird feeling for a lot of people because the whole reason that there's an exoteric and an esoteric to every teaching is that most people won't be comfortable with that. Most people want a list of rules and do this and do that and you're going to be fine and your eternal soul won't be in danger and this is how you be a good person and you don't have to think for yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. We got you. Follow the rules. That's where most people live and are comfortable and they want the conventional morality because that's what helps you in your daily life to fit in and get by. They don't want to have to deal with their own uh, judgment on that. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and so it's not, it's not comforting for most people when they actually start the very hard work of trying to dig into and understand these things, which are very difficult. And it's like learning a whole new language and some of these terms and everything. It's not easy. You don't understand right away. You're not going to be good at it right away. And I am the type of person who finds comfort in it. And likes it, right? Which is, I think, what is going to make or break you if you're if you're going to be right. picking up a subject like this. And yeah. people come and they go and they go through faith and all that that's fine and everybody's on their same path or whatever. But the thing I think you're talking about like something that has impressed you, and I've only been five years at this, right? But there's one thing that I find really interesting, at least at the lodge, which is that every year. We read the Bhagavad Gita. I've been doing this forever. Over and over and over and over again. Starting in October, right? Until it's done. Fill the summer with some things like the Anugita. Is this that 1,500 page thing? No. No. This is a tiny little book. Oh. It's um, It's a small subsection of the Mahabharata, Mahabharata. the great Indian epos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just the conversation between Krishna and Arjuna on the battlefield. And um, every time I read it, I get completely different things out of it. I've read it probably seven times now, even though it's been five years, because I also read it by myself. Uh But um, it's amazing to me that even just in the course of a short five years, whatever's been going on with me and whatever other stimuli I'm picking up, whatever else I'm learning as I walk around on the planet is enough that every time I pick up the book, it's like reading a different book. And that's what happens when you're looking at something esoterically and really digging into it and trying to find out like the the hidden meaning in something rather than just reading it like it's a story. Because yeah. if you just read it like it's a story, you'll read it once and be like, I got it, I got the story. They're on a field right. and they have a happens. conversation Next and book. the thing happens and whatever <laughs> and he blows his mind and that's it, right? Uh-huh. But that's what tells me is like, I've I've very comfortably accepted okay hold on I'll tell you a story this is the perfect example of how I got even to the lodge in the first place I was dating a Catholic guy and he knew that I was like I'm spiritual or whatever and I didn't really want to talk about God or religion or whatever very much but he didn't have a problem like he was always like trying to talk to me about it and he wasn't really trying to convert me or anything and he wasn't particularly being hard on me Uh, Because we wouldn't have been dating. If he'd started that stuff, I would have been really uncomfortable right away. But, you know, he would try to dig into like, well, what do you believe? Are you an atheist? And I was always like, I don't know. I I don't know if atheist is the right word, right, for what I am. But I don't believe in a personified God. And he was like, well, what does that mean? I was like, well, I don't think that we're made in God's image. I think that we're making God in our image. 
And it would be questions like that. And one day, like, I got really frustrated. And I was finally like, look, here's the thing. Like, I study everything as much as I can. I feel like, you know, you, you know, science and religion have to be reconcilable or, you know, like, what are we even looking at? Like, if there's a truth, it's got to be, there has to be an objective truth. And I feel like, you know, I'm never going to know what that is. But I, I look at everything and I'm finding these common elements and things at a basic level. And I feel like that's what would hold up in court. Like if you had to take like human belief to court and say what is true, you would have to study everything and come to a common consensus as humanity. This is our creed. This is what we believe. And that there are those common elements in everything. And that's it. And I'm totally comfortable with never knowing the answer to all of my questions because I think that the moment that I say that I know is when I've stopped learning and I don't know yeah. shit. And that's what I said to him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay. And so like, it was like the next day or two days later, he sends me these links and it's to Madame Blavatsky, this woman I'd never heard of and this thing called theosophy and all this shit. He's sending me all this shit. And I started reading all of this and I was like, oh man, this is it. Holy shit. And I got really excited I was like, I, this is exactly what I've been talking about. This is exactly the things I've been thinking and whatever getting kind of all wrapped up in since I was a teenager. So I called him up and I was like, oh man, you really understood. How did you find, oh my gosh, I've ne- I can't believe in all my searching, I've never found anything like that. How is this so buried? Like, thank you so much. And he went, no, no, it's evil. It's the devil. I was showing you to try to warn you. And like, I know that it all sounds good, but it's wrong and stuff. And I'm trying, I was trying to warn you because everything you were saying sounds like all of this, right? Mm. And I was just like, okay, well, I think I know why we met. (laughs) And like, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And I found out where the lodge was. And like, I just walked in. And it was Vicky who was there. I walked in with Shaw because mm-hmm. I told her about it. I was like, did you ever hear? My, I had a, uh, my friend mm-hmm. and I told her about it. And she was like, oh shit. And we'd never talked about this stuff before. But she was like, oh shit, that sounds amazing. Wait, and how come we've never talked about this before? She and I had never gotten down on any of that stuff. Right. And we found out that we both were like completely on the same page and had just never brought it up to each other because we both thought that we were f- freaky and weird. And maybe mm-hmm. no one else thought like that. So we show up and it was Vicky who's one of the few people that we know who was actually raised in theosophy, who's at the lodge, um, rare, uh, and very interesting, but again, we won't get into that, uh, who just poked her head down the hall because she heard the door and we're just like, oh, hi, class starts in five minutes. And we just like walked into the Bhagavad Gita class and that was it. I've been going ever since. Right. And it's like, it was instantly right. Yeah. And I and I have really relied upon it, especially because as the like humdrum of daily life kind of gets a little stressful or, you know, pressure in your daily life kind of leads you down it's kind of like stressful and ruminating past kind of like your story talking about like, oh, sometimes I lay up at night yeah. and I think about the dumb thing I did that day or whatever. I find that if I am in a constant state of study, I can keep myself grounded. And that it is a constant effort though. There's no like aha moment where it's like, oh, I got that. So now that stays with me forever. I find that I have to continually be engaged in that study or else I I start backsliding and and slipping into kind of like the, maybe I guess I could call it like the exoteric hive mind 
and get kind of sucked into the banality of society and all of those kind of lower nature tendencies rather than kind of trying to uplift myself. Right. So that's what it's done for me. I thought it was interesting that church said, whereas, whereas I said, I have the impression that I understand more and more and deeper and deeper. She almost said like the opposite. Yeah. But she could equally take my point of view and I can equally take right. her point of view because both are true at the same time, oddly yeah. enough. No, it's exactly how ascend, I know yeah, that as I... As you ascend the I, mountain, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's like you understand more. That's how I know more, I'm getting somewhere is because I realize more and more I don't widened, know shit. So you go like, oh, there's so much more to learn. The more I understand, the more there is to learn. Yeah, right? I don't know if this yeah. is like a good touchstone for like listeners or anything, but as a writer, like you will be in a room like trying to break a story or something and like we'll we'll have it we'll have it and it'll be like okay this is this is it this is the story yeah. but then someone will say like wait what if it was this instead and at first it's like oh fuck like this is the worst because now i have to think of it like this <laughs> And it's like what you're saying where you're like, now I don't know anything anymore. And now I have to wrap my head around this. Exactly. And so it's just a a matter of sort of like… People want to feel like they know. Right. It's it's the most comforting feeling in the world to be like, that's done. Mm -hmm. Like, I know this for sure. Yeah. And it's kind of the worst when you take that away. Yeah. So I completely understand where you're both coming from and I never want to be either of you. (laughs) <laughs> if you see it as the essential process to knowing anything, if you like reached, if you if you come to that realization per, as a person, if you go like, I think that the only way for me to get rid of this nagging feeling mm-hmm. that I don't know shit and that things aren't the way they seem, that it, that's plaguing me anyway, mm-hmm. and let go. Like I feel like that's the step that takes you from not knowing, feeling terrifying into it being the beginning of knowing shit. Right. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. I completely get it. Um, why do, uh, so the lodge, that's what you keep calling it? Yeah. Do, do you want people to know where it is or ch- will they just know? We found that people generally like, who like really, if this re- really want to go resa- are going to this- go, but most people won't. Like I said, I mean, I've had friends be like, I really want to go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And one right. person in five years never came back. Like it just, we doing a podcast That's- is not going to make droves of people show up to the door. It just doesn't. Yeah, but there might be one out there who's oh, no, in the LA a, area. Absolutely. Which is why, know. which is why it's not hidden. It's not a secret society and it's not members only. So no, he or she will Hall, just figure it out. But no, it's, it's, it's very just easy one block away from the corner of Jefferson and Grand. It's across from the FedEx. Downtown yeah. LA. Downtown. Yeah. 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 South of downtown. Yeah. yeah. It's Theosophy actually Hall. Uh, uh, Grand and 33rd Street. Is it 30, yeah. It's right by USC. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, 245 West 33rd Street. Well, there corner you go. of Grand, one block from Jefferson. Classes on Wednesdays and Sundays. All right. So if you're into that and you're in LA and is the, I mean, I'm imagining this is like how national uh, it's international, but how national is it? Like in America. How many lodges in the United States? We have, uh, we have a lodge in LA. We have a lodge in uh, Phoenix, San Diego, New York, Philadelphia, Washington, DC. 
And there's also many branches of the Theosophical Society. So you know, if people are not in the vicinity of a, a ULT, by all means, go to a go branch to the, yeah, of a... The Theosophical Society. But, but focus on HPB, HP Blavatsky. No, focus on that. That's the real deal, so to speak. Yeah. It's not easy, best, uh, but it's the real deal. It's the best the place real to deal start. is never easy. I think, uh, you know, it's funny that, like, the, that your Catholic boyfriend was like, this is evil or something. Because it's <laughs> like... He pointed me straight to it, too. It's, it's so just silly. It's just about, it's just about like, analyzing a bunch of stuff, right? Well, There's you're like, already starting from a pretty enlightened place then. Because, like, most people, they take one look at the theosophical seal and freak out. Oh, why? Oh, well, it's the does Orberus it have weird is a snake eating its tail. There's a swastika. There's a pentagram <laughs> in it. All these things that people have ideas yeah. about what they mean, but have no idea what Do they mean. Do you have that tattooed on your body? I'm I'm going to some point, I think, but <laughs> I don't. I don't currently. I don't have Do you any have any tattoos? No, I only have scars from riding motorcycles in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking badass, dude. Badass. All right. Well, thank you guys for being here, and thanks You're everybody welcome. for listening. And uh, that's it, right, Willie? Anything? Yeah. No. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to plug uh, on a personal level? Nope. I'm good to go. Nope. All right. Thanks again for well, being thank here. Thank you for thanks. inviting us. Of course. Least. Of course. Anytime. We got to right. have you back and talk about after death. Yeah. So. We should yeah. just do that next yeah, time. Just focus on, on yeah, the after death. I would love that. I love talking about stuff like that. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, just all right, because you. uh, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. Thanks for listening, everybody. say uh, Seinfeld was on an island and he was blowing Boris Karloff. What would, it, what would that be like? <laughs> it might go something like this. Oh, Mr. Karloff, I loved you and Frankenstein and I love giving you a blowjob. Why, Mr. Seinfeld, I'd love having you 